Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This activity titled, The Nash Epidemic, Highlights from the AMCP 2023 Symposium, is provided by Prova Education. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. This is CME on ReachMD, and I'm Dr. Mazunur Dean. Today, I'll be highlighting the key messages and clinical data presented at the Satellite Symposium by Provide Education in conjunction with the Academy of Managed Care Pharmacies 2023 Annual Meeting. This presentation focused on non-alcoholic steatohepatitis, or what you heard before, NASH, and was titled NASH, an Epidemic with Enormous Health and Economic Implications. I presented at this symposium along with my esteemed colleagues, Dr. Steve Flam from Chicago and Dr. Tiffany Kaiser. So what are the main risk factors for NASH and who should be identifying them? Let's talk about the disease in general, the epidemiology and the multidisciplinary challenges. Non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is a spectrum. Start with NAFLD, and then you take out the D, you end up with NAFLD. And NAFLD, this is what we use to call it simple steatosis. And luckily, and although there are about 30% of the U.S. population in that pocket, they are not as affected as those that they progress. So those that they progress are those people that they get NASH. And what is NASH? What I tell my patients, on top of the fat, they get inflammation. So it's steatohepatitis, the inflammation part. And that is about 20% of the initial 30% I told you about. Still a lot of people, but not everyone. And why NASH is a problem? Because over time, it progresses into later stages where you start getting fibrosis, scarring. So F0, F1, fibrosis stage one, all the way to cirrhosis, which is F4. And then you know what happens once you get cirrhosis, it's initially compensated and then decompensated, and then you eventually get complications such as varices, ascites, hepatic encephalopathy, and you may require liver transplantation. Some people die, unfortunately. So let's ask ourselves, before we get to that point that I just talked about, how does one have initial suspicion for NAFLD and NASH? What are the risk factors? I always say keep an eye on the elephant in the room, which is the type 2 diabetics. The type 2 diabetics have been shown that it's not 30% that they have NAFLD, it's actually 60%, which is double, which is the majority of type 2 diabetes. Not even that. Rather, also, they have more advanced fibrosis and cirrhosis. So the F3 and F4 prevalence is about 15 to 20% in this population. Other risk factors that you need to suspect, metabolic syndrome, especially two risk factors. Other diseases, psoriasis, hypothyroidism, hypogonadism. But the two metabolic risk factors has been implemented in the guidance to be a base for screening. Of course, the type 2 diabetics you screen. And how do we see these patients initially? How do they come? They're actually embedded in primary care and endocrine practices. I mentioned to you that type 2 diabetes, many of them, they have non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, and unfortunately, mostly are not discovered. And non-alcoholic fatty liver disease patients, they have a huge burden in our system. And forget about for our system for a second. It's our patients, our care, we need to make sure they don't get complications. And those complications are the burden of our health system. So for instance, 
non-alcoholic fatty liver disease patient, NAFL patients, they have higher mortality of cardiovascular disease. And NAFL is a risk factors for cardiovascular disease in these patients. They get the cirrhosis, they get liver cancer, they require liver transplantation, and many die. And they cost our health system billions of dollars every year. Again, patients come first. In addition to the burden on the health system and the doctors, we need to help these patients. And we need to identify them early. So how we do mitigate this risk? If anything you want to take away from our presentation is early diagnosis. So here's what the guidelines by many societies, American Gastroenterology Association, American Association for Study of Liver Disease, American Association for Clinical Endocrinology, ESL, the European Society for Liver Disease, as well as South America recommendation, Asian recommendation. They all talk about screening the type 2 diabetics and people with two metabolic risk factors. How do you screen? This is how you should do it. If you're a primary care or endocrine, you need to be familiarized with a test called FIP4. The FIP4 is a formula. We use Google to calculate it. There are a lot of smartphone apps that they can calculate it for you. And it's a score that comes by entering data on ALT, AST, platelet, and age. And it gives you the score. And what you need to remember, the number less than 1.3. Because if it's less, that means your patient is safe. And he can follow up with you. It's not the end of it. You have to help them losing weight and exercise and monitor the heart and all these things. But if it's more than 1.3, you should start thinking about more complex liver disease. If you just remember that number, you should be fine. But if you want to go a little bit into more details, numbers between 1.3 and 2.67 trigger another test, such as fiber scan which is an ultrasound-like imaging that measure the fat and stiffness representing fibrosis of the liver. Again, between 1.3 and 2.67, it triggers another test, which is fibroscan. If you don't have it, just send the patient for gastroenterologist or hepatologist after the 1.3. After 2.67, that's absolutely referral. And we will take care of this patient in our clinic and do further testing such as fiber scan or MRI techniques such as amylostography. Now, well, you identify the patients. Let me tell you the update on managing and treating these patients. So we all start from the holistic approach, the most common sense approach that every patient should do, indeed all of us should do, which is exercise and weight management. You have to be at, at your ideal weight goal. And if you're overweight, you need to lose weight. Of course, there is a question about the kind of diet. And I always say tailor it toward your patient. There is intermittent fasting. There's low-carb diet. The most proven one is actually the Mediterranean diet. You have to ask them about limiting alcohol consumption, especially on those with fibrosis. There are some medications suggested by some guidance that they are not FDA approved, such as vitamin E or pioclitazone, but they have their own complications, such as cardiovascular effects with vitamin E, prostate cancer, and weight gain with pioclitazone. The NASH treatment is not approved yet. We do anticipate that we're going to have FDA approved treatment this year or the next year, for sure by 2024. But let me tell you about them for a second. 
I guess let's talk about the emerging pharmacological therapy for NASH. Before I go to that, I want to tell you the endpoints of clinical trials. So there are now multiple New England Journal papers on treatments for NASH. And this is what you need to know about them. In early phase trials, we use MR, fat fraction, and look at changes in the fat. Most of you read the New England Journal. So what you see usually in these journal, the phase 2B or phase 3, the registry trial, and they focus on histology. And what we look for histology, again, this is only in clinical trials. We don't do that in practice. And I think it will go away in clinical trials in the future. But for now, the regulator asks for liver biopsy, asking for one of two things. The first thing is fibrosis improvement. So if you go from stage three to stage two, that's an improvement on that patient. Of course, they should not worsen the NASH. So you look that for fibrosis improvement. The other outcome, we call it NASH resolution. And then lay term is pulling the inflammation, steatosis, and ballooning, which is the cellular injury, down, and you see that difference in liver biopsy. Now let's talk about the pipeline. Well, we have multiple phase three studies. The three major ones are the following. There is metarom, or beta-colic acid, lenifibrinol. Resmeterol is a thyroid hormone beta receptor in the liver. And why thyroid hormone beta receptors? It turned out the liver actually has thyroid hormone beta receptors that are specific for the liver. And in a way, in NASH patients, if you want to simplify it, your liver is kind of hypothyroid when you have NASH or liver diseases. So regulating the Th beta pathway regulate glucose and lipid metabolism. Indeed, endocrinologists knew about that many years ago and used it to manage dyslipidemia. It turned that it has effect on the liver as well. So you here get multiple effects. You reduce fat inflammation and fibrosis in the liver, and you improve the lipid panel. Well, it turned that this is true in multiple clinical trials that led to the recent announcement of the MASTRO trial. The MASTRO trial by Rizmiterol is a phase three study. And what happened here is they treated NASH patients, they did liver biopsies, and the treatment was Rizmiterol. And the trial in its phase three has achieved the primary endpoint. Indeed, it achieved NASH resolution and it achieved fibrosis improvement. And there was a favorable effect on lipid panel. We do anticipate that this drug will be approved in 2023 or 2024. Exciting news for the field of NASH. There are options in the near future. Obitacolic acid, another drug. It's an FXR receptor regulator. The FXRs regulate bile acid, but they also regulate glucose and lipid metabolism. And this is what happened. In their phase three study, they improved fibrosis. The FDA has asked for additional safety data, and the sponsor has shown them these data that it's still safe, and they showed them the fibrosis improvement is still there. There was no natural solution, and the side effects of this drug is worsening the lipid panel and itching. However, it is still exciting to see this drug getting closer to the finish line and hopefully with the approval soon. Danifibrinor is another drug that in a phase 2b study published in the New England Journal of Medicine, the study then showed that lenifibrinol, which is pan-PPPR receptors, it showed that improved histology, including NASH resolution, 
fibrosis improvement, and both met at the same time. Natural solution fibrosis improvement. It is now in phase three studies. Take home message. The field has evolved. It's exciting time in 2023 that we're going to see drugs that hopefully will be approved and offer more options for our patients. If you do have type 2 diabetic patients or patients with two metabolic risk factors, it is a must as of today to screen these patients for non-alcoholic fatty liver disease and fibrosis. Thank you for joining me, but unfortunately, our time is up. This has been CMAE on ReachMD. Thank you very much. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is provided by Prova Education. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com slash Prova. Thank you for listening.